The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject that a lot of people avoid, but we're going to have fun with it. (laughs) So stick around, okay? Today, we're going to be talking about the end of life. And this is really the great equalizer, something that all of us are going to be experiencing at some time. And it's just amazing how unprepared most of us are for this event. I mean, certainly, we don't want to think about our own death or any of our loved ones. So we just kind of push this thing away until it inevitably hits us in the face and it's something that we have to deal with. Today I'm gonna be welcoming a couple of guests to bounce some ideas off of them as far as our beliefs around death and dying and grieving and ways that we can face this natural transition with more grace. And my first guest today is a friend of mine and a fellow broadcaster. Jane Asher is the host of the Next Room podcast. And this is a show that demystifies death and addresses issues like grief, beliefs, and cultural traditions around death and dying, as well as sharing experiences and stories around this journey that we all are going to make eventually. And Jane is a longtime radio broadcaster. She's enjoyed a successful career in media and the music industry. And she worked at major radio stations here in San Diego. I'm saying here with me in San Diego, uh, we worked uh, for similar radio groups. I think we probably worked at the same company at some time or another. And uh, Jane also worked in Santa Barbara. And she stepped away from terrestrial radio and entered the podcast world with her show, The Next Room. And you can find it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you check her out at Jane Asher Reaney, R-E-A-N-E-Y. And see what she's doing. And you can also find her show on Empower Radio. And I do hope that you check it out. So, Jane, welcome to the show. We are live. (laughs) Wow. That was a heck of an intro. Thank you so much. You are uh, so welcome. It's a total pleasure to be here. And I just have to say right off the bat, um, I pre record my show, right? I've been doing it for a long time and I just do my shows, get way ahead, send it off to Detroit. My producer does his thing. And so I haven't been live on the radio in so many years. My heart is pounding through my chest. (laughs) I feel like I used to feel back in the good old days when I was throwing down Led Zeppelin, when I would crack the mic and it was like thump, 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 thump. So I'm super excited, a little bit nervous. So bear with me. I haven't been live for a long time, but thank you for having me on Uh, be present, Diane. I really appreciate it. Isn't that fun? Well, I had guested on your podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we had such a great conversation. So I'm returning the favor. I'm like, I've got to get Jane on. And it is kind of fun to do it live. I mean, I pre-taped some shows as well, but I still like I'm I feel like I'm the the last DJ standing. Sometimes I'm waving the flag, like trying to keep live radio alive in some form. Although a lot of people that listen to this show, of course, are going to get it later in the download or in the podcast. But there is something about 
just a little bit of a different energy that we have when we're spinning out in the radio cosmos at a certain time, a certain place right now. So it is really cool. So I'm glad that I could bring you on to talk about death, (laughs) but we're going to take it from, you know, some different perspectives. And I mean, I love your show. I'm so glad that you're talking about this because like we've had so many conversations, like we both share a lot of similar interest on life after death, you know, what's out there, the other side, you know, it's just, it really is the big question mark. Like we all have our theories and opinions on what happens after we pass. Um, Many of us have been with people at the actual moment of their passing and, you know, really you can believe whatever you want, but nobody knows a hundred percent until we actually take those steps ourselves. And your show is so amazing because you kind of, dig into a lot of these topics and things that people are really uncomfortable talking about. So I just wanted to find out so you could share with the listeners, you know, how the next room came about and the inspiration for doing this show. Uh, Great question. Um, The first show was in January of 2019 and, and I had been doing another kind of show, a podcast and I was just fine. It was a little bit laborious. It was running out of guests. It didn't seem to be flowing. And so um, Brent from Empower said, Jane, do a show about your passion. So I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I passionate about? And I thought, I love music. I love dogs. I love to cook. I like music, you know, just all the basics. But then when I really started digging deep, I realized that I love deep conversations about what is, what is life, what is perhaps afterlife, if there is such a thing. Um, And I just love those kind of esoteric, deeper topics. So I thought, I'm going to do a show about death, about a mindfulness, contemplative show about the final passage that no human being can escape. So I wrote up a show prep thing for for Brent and he said, I love it. We don't have anybody on, you know, on Empower doing a show about death. And we had a good laugh about it. And I said, well, for me, it's dinner conversation. I am inspired by it because I just feel contemplating and being mindful about what possibly could be your last day on earth really kind of makes you live a little deeper and a little, you know, richer while you're here. So that's kind of how it all came to be. I just sort of rolled it by him and I said, look, I'll talk to grief experts, afterlife, customs, affairs, getting them in order, hospice, burials, memorials. I'll even talk to a good atheist because I'm fascinated that that outlook, I think it's still pushing the narrative forward by thinking that when this life ends, end of end of story, like game over. And I've had many atheists on my show because I think it's it's a good, valid point. It's like, do any of us really know? I certainly don't. I know what I feel, but that's a lot different than having factual information. Right. And that's so true. It was funny. Recently, we were at a a friend's gathering, like one of the first parties after people are, you know, getting out of this whole COVID thing, uh, which which we're still in, unfortunately. But anyway, you had a conversation with my husband, who's an avowed atheist. And we have, Barry and I have a lot of these debates and things like that, too. (laughs) And that's what he believes. He thinks this is it. 
and when lights out, you know, you just go, it's like, well, what did, what was your life like before this life? Nothing. Okay. Well, that's what it's going to be. And that's what he believes. And maybe he's right. I don't know. I, I, you know, I have my beliefs too. And we're very different in that, um, in those topics, Barry and I. So it is funny to talk to people that have just this flat kind of, you know, belief that that's it. And there's nothing else, but, but really, like you said, if, if that is it, then that means you have to really live the life that you have now to the fullest. So I guess if you have that view that puts you in that position of, well, you know, I better just grab what I can and live, live the best life that I can now making that time that we have on this earth really sweet. So I guess that gives you just a different perspective. Absolutely. Um, You know, but it is interesting to get people's opinions on this subject because it it varies so widely. But you know what I've noticed with people, and I wanted to ask your opinion on this, that there's still so much fear in the West, you know, talking about uh, people here in the States, because if you look at other cultures, you know, Hindus or people in India, I mean, they have these big burning pyres and they cremate people like right out in the open, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a much different experience. But people here in the West still seem so afraid to talk about death and dying. And that's why I appreciate so much the show that you're doing because you're demystifying this and bringing it out into the open where it should be talked about. But I've seen the damage that comes from not talking about it. I mean, I I had a friend uh, not too long ago, like two years or so who lost her mother and it was just such a horrible experience that they never discussed her wishes or what Mm. to do and trying to make those kind of decisions in the heat of the moment when you're in the Mm -hmm. hospital and you don't know whether to, you know, did she want to be resuscitated or not? And just how unprepared that she really was for that event. Like, did you not talk about this? She had been sick for a long time. So I, I think it's important to kind of overcome that fear. And that's something that you're doing with the show. I mean, why do you think that's still lingering? That fear. You know, what's interesting. That's a really good question, too. Boy, you're full of them today. First, I just <laughs> want to say I have like deep respect for your husband, Barry. I get a massive kick out of him. And when we get in these conversations, um, sparks fly and I just welcome it. So um, good for Barry for holding his own uh, against someone who has this big woo woo spirituality uh, next room vibe. Right. Um, you know, The thing about, I think, what's happening today, back in the, you know, not too long ago, let's say maybe my grandparents and my grandparents' grandparents, death was quite natural. And there was parlors in homes where they would lay out their loved ones and they would invite all the neighbors would just stream in with casseroles and would sit and, and, you know, sing songs. and, And they welcomed this beautiful, loving passage that we're all going to take. I think that we got a lot more buttoned down as we started developing, you know, and we started getting, uh, not, not that there's anything wrong with funeral parlors. I think they're beautiful, but there's this whole different mindset now where, you know, Ooh, the body dies. Ooh, run it off to a mortuary. Ooh, embalm it. Um, and it's not loving and genuine and natural. And so We've kind of taken the grieving out of death, which we need the grieving. Grieving is, it's so closely tied with the amount of love that we have. I mean, if you grieve deeply, 
you're blessed because that means that you have been loved and are loving deeply. So I think that it seems to me like maybe we're getting ready to shift again and go back into home funerals, not embalming, uh, having the family come by. I mean, there's lots of death doulas out there that will come and will they'll come at the end of life. So say you bring your loved one home instead of having the clinical death in the hospital because they're, they're terminal, they're going to die. You bring them home. The doula will come in and, and work with the family and talk to you about, you know, to, you know, cook their favorite foods so the aroma and play their favorite music and rub their feet and and love them. And then once they do pass, open your doors and have your family come in and have the body there. That was the way it used to be. So I think that we maybe are starting to shift. I'm hopeful. I've met a lot of people that have educated me about this. Um, so we're getting better. I do think we're getting better about it. Yes, that's true. Some of the attitudes are changing. You're hearing about the option of a green funeral, you know, just getting Absolutely. thrown in the ground yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, letting letting nature take its course. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, that is interesting, the shift, because you're right. There used to be a lot more, you know, I wouldn't say interaction, but I guess exposure. You know, when families lived together and there were different generations, you would see within the family when someone passes. So it, it was a lot different back then. Then we kind of got very clinical and anesthetized with everything. And and hopefully things are changing because unfortunately, a lot of people do die alone in this country mm. in hospital rooms and without being with their loved ones. And especially over the pandemic. I mean, that was just so heartbreaking to hear ah. those stories oh, of so you know, people being separated. So yeah. I mean, yeah, I hope that I hope that's starting to change. So you've talked to so many people on this subject, from grief counselors to people in the death care industry. Um, I'm just curious of some of the lessons that you, you might have learned through doing the podcast and talking to all of these professionals. I mean, is there anyone that stands out that was like, really impactful, you know, that was a great takeaway? Oh, man, there's so many. I just had this young man on now his show because I pre-record is not going to air for several weeks. But I found him through Twitter because another show that I had had was promoting him and uh, his app. He developed an app called We Croak. And for, for all of a sudden, I'm like, OK, that's funny. I love that. I have to go investigate. So I go find this app and I download it. It's free. It's based on the Bhutanese that believe to really live richly and mindfully every single day that man or woman must contemplate their own death five times a day. So it's all about being contemplative about this could be my last day. Did I behave the way that I would like my last day? Did I take care of my body? Did I have movement? Did I drink water? Did I pick up the phone and call my sister in Michigan to say I love you? Um, so it snaps you out of it. So five times a day, you get this little, you get this little notice. It says you're going to die, and you know, and then all of a sudden you kind of go, huh? And then you touch it, and it will leave you a quote. And there, and it's not. There's no religion based around it. There's no spirituality to it. They don't deal with the afterlife side of it. It's all about the actual philosophical moment of death uh, and really getting clear about it. So that that was one that really just hit me. 
Uh, and then I spoke to another guy, Gary. Uh, oh, he'd be great on your show. Gary Wiederspawn. He's with the Final Exit Network. But Gary is like this cultural guru. He had stories about how they honor death in all of these fascinating places from Viking funerals where they put the body in a boat and they light it on fire and then ship it off um, to, you know, the deathbed, which is incredible. There's a, there is, I believe it's, I want to say Bali, but I'm, I may be wrong about that, but there's a one little teeny country that what they do is they have a bed. It's called a birthing and a deathbed. So when you come on the planet, you are born on this bed and then they leave the bed in a space of honor, like say on the front porch. And then when you go to die, that's where you die in the home. So I think the cultural things and the customs surrounding death, they just, oh my goodness, I'm fascinated. You know, send me a story about anything about death and I am like diving down into the rabbit hole. <laughs> It's it's funny. I just have to laugh when I, I think of that as as like a an, an interest. Um, but the app know, sounds amazing. <laughs> we croak because that really puts it into perspective, right? If you yes. get a text that says, "Okay, you're going to die today," hmm, you know, what do I really want to be doing? Who do I want to be talking to? I mean, I think that I'm I'm sure there's probably places like this, but there should be if you're not going to have it at home, like some beautiful resort that you could go to that you'll just float away, you know, mm -hmm. or you're beautiful, comfortably, comfortably put in a beautiful room. There's tinkling waterfalls and, you know, like a death resort or something like that. I'm sure someone's already, <laughs> already thought about it. You know, Oh my people... gosh, if they haven't, I think you need to, uh, you know, go ahead and get the URL on that. Right, the death resort, check in and never check out, it. you know. That's hilarious. Something like that. But it should be more of an experience that is not so fraught with pain and fear, but that you're surrounded mm -hmm. by your family. You know, people that do hospice work are just angels, mm, I think. Absolutely. You know, the or death doulas, like you were talking about, you know, trying to normalize it, uh, you know, make it more of a natural transition that it should be instead of this, what oftentimes, you know, is some Herculean effort to keep people alive against all odds, which is, is horrifying. And I, I wanted to ask you about that. We were talking about, about this, I think at, at the party about, um, some of the organizations that you work with and what they do with assisted dying, you know, it's gotten better in some States, I think Oregon, you can, you know, get the medication or, or the drugs if you wanted to do this at home with a doctor's approval and that kind of thing. But what are the laws like around the country that you're aware of? Are things changing where we'll actually have more control over that decision, that final decision? Yeah, from what I understand, it's getting more and more every day. You know, there are more states that are jumping on board and it's, it's basically... It gets a little sticky because um, the assisted suicide or right to die uh, is what the final exit, the final exit network. That's what they spend most of their time on. And a lot of people, it becomes like this moral issue, right? They're not advocating suicide at all. What they're doing is just they advocate for the right to have a great life and also to have a great death. This is, if you are terminally ill, there is no turning back. You have a choice. You can say no thank you to being hooked up to 
you know, all of the machines that are keeping you artificially alive and go home and have a loving, graceful crossover to the other side or in Barry's case, the great nothingness. So you have a right. So there's this whole right to die movement. And um, I, I would encourage you if you're you know, curious about it, um, Fenn's a great bunch of people. Uh, they're lovely. I have interviewed people that are on the far left um, and I've interviewed people on the far right in that organization and in between. Um, they really have just super good people there and they, they will advocate for you too. They actually have a death advocate that you can call and say, hey, I've got questions. Uh, my, my mom's terminally ill. She's in the hospital. They've got her hooked up to everything but the kitchen sink and they want to do more. Um, to keep her alive, but she's not really living. That's not a quality of life when somebody is terminally ill. And say, for instance, the, the chemo or the radiation is, is making them die sooner than the natural cancer would take them out, right? Um, so yeah, we are getting better. Canada has some of the, the most uh, progressive laws for right to die right now. I know out of one of the countries. Um, but we're, I think we're getting there. You know, I just, I feel like you're humane about your four-legged family members, correct? Something, you know, your dog is ill or it's old and it's time to say goodbye. We do it so gently and so peacefully. And, and we have fabulous veterinarians that come to our homes and administer to peacefully be able to say goodbye and not have this, you're not going to hook a dog up on on a respirator and let it sit there in your living room. Come on. So why, why do we treat our two-legged friends and family members like that? I, I don't quite get it. That's my opinion, not the opinion of anybody else, certainly not unity, but, but I just feel like we need to get it together and allow people to make decisions. It's, it's, it's really comes down to free will. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, and it is crazy that we do give an animal that kind of, not that we shouldn't because we love our animals, yeah, <laughs> you great. know, but we will not accept the fate, you know, when, when you get that, when you get that kind of news, like we'll try right. so hard to keep someone alive rather than help them prepare for a good death, you know, and I, exactly. I totally uh, understand that. And you know, there's, I want to talk about this event that you're going to be going to, because there'll probably be a lot of these topics discussed at this and uh, great debates that'll happen, but you're taking part in something called the Beautiful Dying Expo. And the next one is this November. And this sounds like a, a pretty interesting event. So people will be discussing these topics, talking about right to die and working to change the laws and things like that. And you're going to be doing a broadcast with your podcast or actually some recordings from this event as well. And what what's going on there at the Beautiful Dying Expo? <laughs> Sounds interesting. First of all, thank you. Thank you for bringing it up because I am so passionate about this organization. It is our third year. It's the Beautiful Dying Expo. It's coming up November 12th, 13th, and 14th. It is virtual, so you can come and join us. It is free to uh, to just come in and, and check things out. 
there are all kinds of um, what they call tracks. So there's different things. There's going to be something on um, getting your affairs in order, and they'll have lawyers there that know what it is that you need to do. Um, they'll have, uh, we're working with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, a beautiful organization. Um, there's going to be a woo-woo center with afterlife and that kind of fun stuff. There's going to be a grieving area that you can go and talk to people um, there's going to be things about green burial and memorials and end of life issues. Final Exit Network, of course, will be involved. So it's just cool. It's like this, it's on the third year and it's under this umbrella of everything uh, end of life. It's about navigating through life's journey. Um, and we encourage, if you are at all curious, beautiful website, it's called beautifuldyingexpo.com. Um, it's free, which is really cool. And yes, I'll be actually broadcasting live. I'm going to be on the main stage. Maybe you should join me, Diane. I'm going to be on the main stage um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I will have a schedule of the guests that I'm going to have. I've got right now Jan Warner from Grief Speaks Out is going to join me. Jan has a grief page on Facebook that has 2.4 million fans. Wow. And Jan's Jan's like, yeah, Jane, I'll come on the show. So Jan's going to join me. Pam Osley's going to join me, who's my dear friend and uh, fabulous psychic medium. Um, I've got Sarah Seidelman, Sarah Bamford Seidelman, who's an author and a shaman and super cool and a death doula. She's just amazing. Um, Casey Gaunt's going to join me, who Casey had a tragedy happen with his 24-year-old son and did a major pivot, got out of law, and now he's writing books and he's helping parents heal over the loss of, of their children. So super cool people going to be with me on that stage and um, just check it out. Come come look and you can register for free. And, and if you're not into one area, like if you like don't want the woo-woo side, you just virtually walk down the hall and pop into the thing about, you know, getting your affairs in order and your paperwork and wills versus trusts and your advanced care directive, which is important. So somebody doesn't hook you up to a machine, um, but lets you die peacefully at home. So great. No, I'm in. And this yeah, is here in good. San Diego. So I, I will pop in there this November for sure, because I would love to see what's going on and educate myself and get all that great info. You know, this, this segment has flown by as I knew it would. <laughs> and know. we're just about coming to the end here. Um, we're going to have to jump, but I do want people to check out your show and get the next room, wherever you get your podcast, uh, look on Apple, Spotify, head over to empower radio. And Jane's got a book coming out and I wish we had more time to talk about that uh, that'll be happening but go to the website janeasherini.com and find out what's going on with jane and thank you so much for popping on the show today and sharing your views i always love to chat with you and we will talk again soon fantastic thank you all are welcome we're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me after the break on my show about death. <laughs> 
we're we're laughing, we're having a fun time talking about death. Just had a great conversation with my friend Jane Asher, the host of the Next Room podcast, and she has some um, amazing guests and sharing incredible information about this natural transition in life that we all must face, and some of the ways that we can better manage it in talking with our friends and family about end of life. And I'm bringing on another guest right now, a friend of mine, Sherry Jameson. And Sherry is an amazing classical singer. I've heard her sing at the Parliament of the World Religions, and she's incredible. She's also a writer and a colleague of mine. She is the Outreach and Engagement Program Manager at Unity World Headquarters. So we sometimes cross our paths in in what we're doing for the Unity organization. So the reason that I'm bringing her on the show, you're wondering, hmm, how does a singer have have to do with death? What how does that tie in? <laughs> Don't worry, it all it will all make sense. But Sherry was a featured writer for the Unity booklet, a new booklet that was just released recently called Peaceful Passing, Practical and Spiritual Reminders for the End of Life. And this booklet has some incredible information, and I urge you to grab a copy. It is free. If you want to get one for yourself, just go to unity.org slash booklet, and you can find out how you can get this sent to you. And Sherry was really instrumental in helping to put this together. So I wanted to have her on to talk about it and to talk about some of the information in the booklet. So Sherry, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on, Diane. Glad well, to be this, here. Yes, this is going to be fun. <laughs> That's what I was telling telling Jane. Yeah, come on, we'll talk about death. This will be fun. <laughs> but the the peaceful passing booklet. I'm really happy to talk about this because I want to get this out into as many hands as possible, mm-hmm. and I want to find out how um, this project came together. I mean, you were really instrumental in putting this together, weren't you? Yes, um, I've been part of the Unity Outreach team and in charge of this free booklet program for four years now. And it was initially started uh, as a, the idea from then new CEO, Jim Blake. And in, you know, and it really, it was inspired and came, came out of life tragedy. Um, one of his daughters and had cancer and passed away and he being part of unity knew that we were sitting on you know, over a hundred years of incredible content and inspiration and prayer support and wanted to get that out beyond the walls of unity in a new way. And so, so this program began with a booklet on, on facing cancer with faith. And since then we've, we've developed six different booklets on various topics that really hone in on when people need the most support in life. And this booklet really came forward after we we did a series. We did a booklet on spiritual support for caregivers, and then a booklet on this this um, grief as a spiritual practice. And we thought, you know what? There's a little more we need to talk about when it comes to this transition period of life. And so we created Peaceful Passing, and it's really um, to support those who are, you know, to bring peace and confidence to those who are preparing for death and those accompanying them on the journey. So whether that's a family member, a caregiver, um, and, and including uh, the person facing the unknown, as you talked about with Jane earlier, um, and while while this booklet includes practical advice, such as you talked about in terms of hospice and 
getting your paperwork in order. It also emphasizes the spiritual aspects of the dying experience um, because this experience more than I think any other in life or one of the few big ones in life that really brings about like our core belief system and about ourselves, about life, about death, about your faith and how you live and and as we talk about in this book, how we choose to die. Right. I mean, I'm just thinking of my own experiences in life with this transition and how both both my parents have passed and how each of their experiences was so very different where my father had Alzheimer's, so he really wasn't aware towards mm-hmm. the end of life. And he was in like a hospital hospice situation. But I was with my mother at at that moment. And it really is, I'm I'm so grateful that I was able to be there for her at that moment. And it was really just such a different experience than, you know, obviously what, what my father went through. Um, but yeah, it can be very, like, I do think now, like even looking back that it was very spiritual because I don't think I had ever felt so close to her in being able to be in that position. And I was grateful that I was able to do that. And you share a, a really heartfelt story, really touching. I mean, mm. I, I was tearing up. Actually, a lot of the stories in in the yeah. booklet um, really tug at your heart because they're they're so meaningful. And your essay, you know, you share your experience of being with your father at the end of his life. Yes. And you say that the important lesson that a minister that you were working with told you was letting your father control this situation. It wasn't about you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that that's so impactful because we try to control things mm-hmm. so often thinking we're doing the right thing where we have great intentions. You know, we want to make this a certain way, but it really is so individual, right? Each person is going to have their own individual experience mm-hmm. with this transition in life. And I mean, what did you think about going through that process with your father and kind of letting him, you know, lead the way? Well, uh, as as I mentioned in the article, it, this was by far the hardest thing I've I've ever gone through in my life up until this point, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, but I, I'm proud of how I showed up, and and I was one of the few people in the situation in his inner circle that has a lifetime of spiritual practice. And for me, this was. This was a call to service. This was a call to um, show up, to show my love, um, regardless of what our relationship had looked like up until that point. And and I think that's key too, because I know that um, you know there there are a number of booklets that are books out there that talk about you know our loved ones dying and how we want to be with them and how it can be you know so challenging when when that person you're, you're very close to, but sometimes you're not as close to them as you wish you were. And for me, you know, that's, that's what caused sort of the, um, one of the first turning points for me, because I got there and I didn't realize what was going on. And, and when I realized that this was going to be an end of life trip, instead of like, sorting papers for them and they're cleaning up their house. Um, it, it really triggered a lot of, of 
grief of not, not that, I mean, yes, I was grieving anticipatory grief that he was going to pass, but also grieving the relationship we didn't have or the time we didn't have left. And, and I think that really speaks to what, um, what you shared in the earlier segment about like living your life with, um, with intention and, and under and knowing that, that death can make our lives more meaningful if we think about it and plan for it. Does that right. make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many different layers and, and aspects mm-hmm. to that experience. And I thought it was interesting what you shared that, you know, you, you may have had a difficult relationship with your father and weren't as close as you had wanted to be. I mean, I felt the same way with, with my dad. I wanted to have that closer relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was able to at least try to be there, you know, for him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's so interesting what happens when you're, yeah. when you're in that, you know, in that situation, you know, and um, that's just one of the spiritual lessons is if you're part of the inner circle with someone, uh, particularly a parent that like, you know, your issues get triggered in that moment. And yet, you know, there is a calling that you can choose to answer or not um, to move beyond whatever unresolved issues might be present and step into an attitude of service, which is what I was, you know, that was my intention, my conscious intention, even though it was extremely stressful and hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. You you can't even explain really, Mm -hmm. unless you've been through that situation, what, what that's like. And mm-hmm. I think it kind of, you know, going through that, I think it kind of changes you and your DNA, you know, Absolutely. like at your in the cellular level, because there's before and then there's after. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're kind of a, a, a different person, but so many great things can come out of it. You know, so many mm-hmm. positive things uh, in, right. in your own spiritual growth. And I mean, do you feel that some of the lessons that you have learned through working with unity and being able to kind of fall back on some of those things were helpful in that moment? Oh, absolutely. Um, With unity and also, you know, some of my past religious and spiritual training. um, And it was interesting because we actually discussed doing this booklet on death and dying before it was even like an inkling before I had even an inkling that this was going to happen with my dad. And so it's almost as if like life brought me that experience. Uh, I mean, it would have happened anyway, but brought me that experience in a, in a timeline that I would be able to contribute to this booklet and from a very fresh perspective, um, having just had that, that gone through that experience. Um, but yeah, I, I mentioned in, in my, in in my article, um, that, you know, my, my father and stepmother were not religious, not very religious or spiritual. And so a lot of the spiritual practice that I was doing was internal and kept internal. Um, so like visualizing, um, and, and sending, you know, spiritual energy to him through my hands while I was massaging his back and neck. And, um, you know, in my mind sort of seeing this as like an anointing preparing him and his body before he released it. And then, um, I, I got a lot of support personally, um, 
and and a lot of comfort from Barbara Carnes's books, her book series on the end of life called the, um, you know, the the blue booklet. <laughs> Uh, Gone from My Sight is her most popular book and one that hospices almost universally give out to family members. Um, but she also has another booklet in that series called The Eleventh Hour, which goes into more detail about like the final minutes before and after death and uh, ways that, that um, we can hold and be present with our loved ones and, and, and the surrounding family members as well. Um, and it, it just, it was, it's written in such a way that I could absorb it and implement it, even though when you're in that grief state, it, it it's almost like fight or flight. You know, you can only handle certain amounts of information. And I thought it was just beautifully written and compassionate. And, you know, and that's sort of the approach that I'm hope that, that's what I hope this booklet will be for people too, that they can turn to the peaceful passing booklet in their moment of crisis and find comfort and find practical tips and find, um, and really come away with that message that they're not alone and that this is something that they can bring the, whatever, whatever your spiritual practices, whatever your faith tradition is, you can choose to bring that to the situation and, um, and make it more beautiful for yourself and your loved one. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned Barbara Carnes. She's been such a great contributor to Unity Radio, and she's been a frequent mm -hmm. uh, guest on one of our shows, The Healing Power of Grief. So we have a lot of her comments and material in our archives if people mm -hmm. ever want to pop over there and, and check it out, The Healing Power of Grief show. Um, but yeah, I do think that this booklet will make its way into people's hands in hospice. I think every hospice organization should pass this out. And I'm glad that you mentioned that it is, it really can be non-denominational, really, mm -hmm. you know, all of yes. this information, however you choose to, um, you know, practice whatever your spiritual practice may be, mm -hmm. all of this information is is going to be really meaningful and, and super helpful. Yes. And the and that, stories that part are of, great. Part of the intention behind how we created it was to make it as non-denominational as possible and so that it would have the widest reach and support regardless of your, your background. Right. And after having gone through the situation, the experience with, with your dad and I mean, do you feel, I mean, have your views changed? Like, would you tell your friends, you know, look, you really should talk to your parents about what they want and, you know, have those conversations, uh, you know, were your views changed or did you really mm -hmm. believe that all, you know, all along that, you know, did you no, have those conversations? Uh, with your I, <laughs> no, I wish I had been more educated about all of this before that experience. Right. Um, it, it, no, he had nothing in place. And so I've become this uh, spokesperson for getting your end of life paperwork done um, because truly it is a loving expression for your family members to do that and to have these courageous conversations. Um, and I, and I understand it takes some introspection for yourself, what you want, how you want that to be um, communicating your wishes when dealing with other people's discomfort around the convert, you know, uh, around death and dying. Um, and, and, but it is so important to handle your paperwork and educate yourself before the quote heat of the moment, you know? 
Um, right. Yeah. And, you know, I think hospice also is a great thing to, to look into ahead of time because one of the things I didn't realize is that you can choose, you can literally interview and choose what hospice you want to work with. Um, and if a hospice organization isn't working well for you, then you have the right to fire them and get a new one. That's <laughs> and, great. Yeah. And I, I had no idea. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> These things we just don't know. And people should think of hospice in a different way because I mean, I know with my mom, like she delayed calling hospice because people think, oh, that's it. I'm going to die tomorrow. And that's not really the case. Like their job, you know, is to make people more comfortable. And, you know, they do just such amazing work. I was so blown away with working with the hospice um, team that my mother worked with. Uh, I think they were called Vetus, if I remember correctly. Uh, this was in Florida. But they were just so loving and kind and and patient and and I think people don't really have the clear vision or view of of really what hospice people do. And you're right, like if you don't like who they are, you know, fire them, get somebody else, and you you do have those choices to make. And you're so right about having your paperwork, being organized. My mother was so organized. She was a teacher her whole life. And like, she had paperwork, she had everything like down to a T, you know? So it was such a gift to my sister and brother to just have all that information. We knew what she wanted. She didn't, she wanted a DNR. Everything was laid out. You know, Mm -hmm. she picked everything out, the, the urn, the whole thing. So we knew what to do. And then in contrast, a girlfriend of mine, when her father died, it took her a year and a half to just to clear out the garage. He had just so much stuff, you know, laying around like a hoarder and just even trying to find the will, you know, took a couple of weeks just digging through paperwork, like know where that stuff is. Mm -hmm. Just simple things like that can make it so much easier at that moment than having, you know, you're grief stricken and you're trying to dig through and, and find a will is just crazy. Right. Well, and also I think, and I feel called to say this too, cause I've, I've been supporting my stepmom um, since then to, to sift through, you know, all the paperwork and what her, um, you know, um, benefits would be as a widow from his past jobs and from social security. And, you know, so, um, unfortunately a lot of women find themselves in the situation where they're not, uh, in, in the same financial situation once their partner passes away. And there are lots of resources too out there, uh, to support that process and to, and just to, you know, look at, Oh, so, you know, do you have a life insurance policy and, and what would you be eligible for? from a job or from your loved one, that sort of thing. Um, in addition to all of the things surrounding preparing for death, like a, your will and advanced directive, um, having, having your spouse on a plan or something like that can, can really also be make things so much easier. Right. My, why make yourself crazy at that moment? You know, oh, you want to yeah. make, make things as easy as possible because, yeah. There's so many other things, you know, to worry about. I mean, since that experience, do you do you feel your dad is in a better place? I mean, do you ever feel a connection or a closeness with him uh, after the fact? What What do you think about that? Uh, well, I actually just got back into town. I was I was visiting my stepmom in Tennessee, where she's 
she's moved to and it was my dad's birthday on Sunday the first one without him physically on the planet and we you know put out pictures of him and we we got a birthday cake and a candle and you know sang him happy birthday and it was just a sweet way to to honor him and and um and then she also you know my my father is a violinist and she said she wanted me to have his violin um and so you know it's been you know, I, I don't um, necessarily, I don't believe in, in the heaven and hell personally. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I still hold that mystery and that question about what happens at the end of life. But I do believe we're souls and, and continue on somehow or another. And so I feel like, you know, my, my connection with my dad has been around healing, healing, like I said before, the, the unresolved issues to do the introspection, to do the grief work, to acknowledge the good parts of our relationship and let go of the judgments and the, do the self-forgiveness around the things that weren't what I wanted and, and, and really bring it to a completion inside of me. And that's been the way that I've been able to best say goodbye to him. And, and that, that is a very personal journey. I've also received a lot of support, um, with therapists and ministers and, you know, that I highly recommend that, um, cause you know, death can be traumatic and there are techniques out there that can support, you know, taking the anguish away so that you can do the natural grieving process more in a more right. relaxed manner. Yeah. Right. No, that's so important. And that's so, that's so beautiful. What you said of, you know, doing, doing the work and forgiving yourself mm-hmm. for, you know, whatever you might've thought the, the relationship should have been or, or could have been. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's so important to go through the, that process after the fact so that you heal completely. Yes. And I, I think a lot of people don't give themselves that opportunity or, they're not as gentle with themselves as they could be in that situation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's so interesting. And there is a lot of support available out there. You know, there's grief counselors and and people that you can talk to. Yes. um, If you need some help and that, and the booklet, you know, again, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll keep pushing the peaceful passing booklet because it's so valuable. And I do want people to, to get this because it approaches the topic from so many from so many different a- angles, the practical, the spiritual mm-hmm. things that you need to do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's so a, valuable. It's a perfect, um, you know, the trifecta, the peace, uh, the peaceful passing grief is a spiritual practice and spiritual support for caregivers. Um, are, it's sort of this beautiful trilogy of spiritual support booklets for this, this period of life. And, um, you know, yeah, and and to me, yeah, grief grief has been a spiritual practice. It has been a way for me to heal and grow and um, and and move forward. Because in the at the end, you know, I truly believe our loved ones don't want us to be sad forever. You know, we'll never forget them, um, but we don't have to stay in in that that anguish or anger or sadness long term. 
Right, right. In that place. That, that being said, grief does not follow any stages. It takes the time it takes and no, and no one grieves the same way. So, um, you know, that caveat in there too. Right. It is very individual. I mean, my mother passed in 2007 and sometimes I'll get a memory or I'll have a thought and, you know, feel and then feel sadness so, I mean, it can still come back, you know, even after a period of time, you know, you can, you can get waves of, of that, you know, those feelings. So yeah, it is, it's very individual It you know, we've only got two minutes, <laughs> time flies. It's so great to connect with you and, and talk to you about this and oh, let people yeah. know that this booklet is out there. And I wanted to find out too, before we wrapped up, like, what are you doing? You just had a big move. You moved to my home state of Florida from <laughs> uh, Missouri and you were doing a podcast for a while. Are you still doing that? The podcast? I'm, not, I'm not currently doing the podcast, but we, uh, I have, you know, I've been feeling the, the, uh, the pull to go back to it and that, and, or some new iteration of it. Um, like Jane Nasher said, I, I sort of feel like I'm in the same camp of like, I love having deep conversations with people about interesting and important topics. And, and this booklet has allowed me the opportunity to go deeper into, you know, death and dying and grieving and, but underneath all that is like, it's, it's about life. It's about how we live and and my podcast from before um, was all about your spiritual journey and healing from your religious wounds from the past. Make peace with your religious past, and um, and so yeah. So there's a um, there's some creativity brewing in there, and I'm feeling uh, feeling excited about the future. Well, you're very creative. You're a very creative person. And thank you so much for joining me today. We're just going to wrap up. And I hope people check out your site at Sherry, C-H-E-R-I, Jameson, J-A-M-I-S-O-N. Check out her website and hear her beautiful voice. And thank you so much for joining me, Sherry. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.